Today is the first week of Advent. The history of Advent is rich and deep and goes back to the 4th century. The original focus of Advent was on the Epiphany, the day the church celebrated the arrival of the Magi. Magi. However, in the 6th century, the celebration shifted and was focused on the second coming of Christ and his glorious return. It was not until the Middle Ages that the church began to focus on the celebration of the birth of Christ as the focal point of the season. Today we light the first candle. This year the first candle is the candle of promise. For we celebrate Jesus, the one in whom whom all the promise of God find their fulfillment. Jesus alone was testified in advance by the prophets of Scripture as the Holy Spirit gave them vision and word. Became the fu- uh, vision and word became the fulfillment of the promise. We must let our hearts be attentive and afresh to the Scriptures, word and witness this Advent season that we find encouragement for our hopes, longing, and love in the fulfillment of the, that great promise. Isaiah seven thirteen fourteen. Then he said, Hear now, O house of David, is it a small thing for you to weary men, but will you weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Let's pray. Father God. We thank you for the promise of your son as our promise of our redemption. We praise you for the fulfillment of that promise. Allow us to find our hope in you this Christmas. May we share the promise of who you are with the whole world around us through our love, grace, acceptance, and forgiveness that we offer to those around us. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Advent is always a special time because it's a time filled with promise. From the very beginning, it's established on a promise. Today's message is really about promise. And I've got all my notes, and I'll look at them. What I wanted you to walk out of here today with is the idea of promise. They spoke of it when they did the reading, and it's what we hold on to. That promise that we have something greater yet to come. A promise of belonging, a promise of purpose, a promise of hope, a promise of a future. Those are the things we're looking for. We're looking for something more. That's the very reason that we look to God in the first place. We're looking to God to fill that emptiness and that void that's inside us, not because we're inadequate as people. We are, but the whole world is. We're looking for it because we've recognized our inadequacy. See, it's a subtle difference, but the world is all inadequate. The world is all not worthy. The difference is you and I at some point saw our unworthiness and recognized, I can't do this on my own. And it's when we try to do it on our own, when we try to fulfill that, when we try to fill it with the things around us, We try to fill it with money, we try to fill it with power, we try to fill it with prestige, we try to fill it with drugs, we try to fill it with something to take away that emptiness. That's when we're left lacking and wanting. And I'm here to tell you today that the promise says you don't have to do that. I'm going to read that scripture again. Isaiah 
chapter 7, I'm going to start in verse 10, and it says this. Moreover, the Lord spoke again to Ahaz, saying, Ask a sign for yourself from the Lord your God. Ask it either in the depth or in the height above. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, nor will I test the Lord. Okay, let me tell you right now, if God tells you to do something, just do it. (laughs) God comes and says, go ahead, ask for a sign. He's like, oh no, I won't test God. He's like, I'm asking you to test me. Then he said, Hear now, O house of David, it is a small thing for you to weary men, but will you weary my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. This is God talking to him. Do you see the beauty in this? God is not afraid of you doubting or questioning. God says, bring it on. I will show you. It says again, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and call his name Emmanuel. It's one of many Old Testament prophecies that's all about the promise of what is to come. And see, we live in this place where we doubt what's going to happen, even though we've already seen the truth and reality of who Jesus is many times over. And yet we still want one more sign, one more reminder, one more thing, because, yeah, this miracle happened, but that was last week, last month, last year. And today, I feel empty. And today, I want. And today, I need. And those are normal things. That's our humanity. And you were created human. At the same time, we're given freedom from that. So today, I want to talk about belonging, purpose, hope, and future. In that order. Belonging, the promise means this. You belong. You are accepted. God looks at you exactly as you are. I've said it many times, so you know what I'm going to say. He loves you too much to not accept you how you are, and he loves you too much to not let you change. He sends his Holy Spirit to convict you and to show you and to guide you. He uses his word, and he wants to quicken things within our spirit because he loves you exactly as you are, but he wants more for you because he created you to be something more than a broken human. And we're all broken. There's this uh, quote by G.K. Chesterton, and I'm going to butcher it if I try it, but what I will tell you is that it says, we're all in this ship together, and we all owe each other a terrible loyalty. And um, the, the vision behind that is this. We've gone through storms, and we experience difficulties in life, and we need each other because we remind each other of who God is. The very concept of, it's not that you can't be a Christian and not go to church. You can. But you cannot know God outside of community, because from the very beginning, he set that up, and he wants you to find that place of belonging, and I'm telling you, in him is the only place we're ever going to find that place of belonging. Some people have asked me, why do we do all these groups? Why do we do men's group and women's group and youth group? And why do we send our kids? Because people learn differently and people experience differently. And once you've experienced things together, sometimes your relationship can deepen. Now, the hard part is people are very difficult to deal with. And as my daughter says, people are the worst. People are hard, and people will hurt you, and people will do things you don't like, and you'll try to address it, and they'll come back and bite you. Hopefully not literally, but quite possibly literally. And yet, 
over and over and over, people are the method by which God uses so that we can discover and know who he is. People are the method he uses to communicate the reality of who he is. It could be written in the stars every night. But he looks and he says, I want to use people. He says, when people fail to do it, the rocks will still cry out. When people wouldn't do it, he uses a donkey in the Old Testament. It's not that he can't use other methods. It's that he's chosen to use you and he's chosen to use me. And he does that so that we have this sense of the promise that's yet to be fulfilled. So we have a promise of belonging. We have a promise of a purpose. We exist for a reason. You are not here on accident. You were not born on accident. And no matter what you were told by your parents or society or the world around you, you have a purpose. You matter. And the problem is we live in a broken world that sees no use for people. And because we see no use for people, life has no meaning. But when we begin to understand that people matter, that all lives matter, that people need to be engaged with and loved and brought in, that we need to be a place that welcomes all, no matter what they look like or sound like, no matter whether they're rich or poor, no matter their skin color, no matter their background, no matter their history, we begin to become a place where people know that they're going to be accepted. The problem is that's scary because we as a natural thing, as a defense and as a uh, shelter, is we find people that look like us, act like us, sound like us, talk like us. And if they don't, then we want to keep them out until they do. And you can belong to our church as long as you belong and use the right words and the right this. And that's why I've said all along, people don't have to be like me. They don't even have to like me to be here. We just have to learn to live together and move forward together. You don't have to look like me or sound like me. You are welcome here. Now, are you going to pick up certain, probably, mannerisms? Maybe. Are you going to pick up certain Christian words? Probably. That's part of assimilation. And yet, you don't have to. Because you have a purpose. And your purpose is not to be a disciple of Jeff or a clone of me. Your purpose is to glorify God with your life. And my job, my role, is to help you understand how to do that. And your role is to do that and then show others how to do that. Now, it's not going to look the same in your context, in your world, as it does in mine. I'll give you an example. The joy group. I could go to joy group, but I'm not quite their demographic. It's mainly younger women who get together, have coffee, talk about the word of God, pray for one another, encourage one another and wrap Christmas presents for me at Christmas. That's the purpose. (laughs) But it's so much more than that. But it doesn't, I'm not the demographic that connects with that. And yet I fully support it, encourage it, and love the fact that it exists. Youth group. Some of you probably wouldn't fit in as well as you think you would, even though you're still young and hip in your mind. You realize, oh, I've been out of high school longer than they've been alive. I guess I'm not quite as hip as I once was in 1973 or whatever your era of coolness was. It's not that you no longer have a purpose. It's that their purpose and what we do there is different than your purpose and what we do here. 
And so to find your purpose and to understand, it's not about doing, it's about who we are becoming in Christ, but when we become who he created us to be, our purpose becomes more and more clear. We all have a general purpose, but you individually have a purpose that God has called you to. And I can't tell you what that is, and I can't define that for you, because you have to connect with God and begin to understand that. Thing three gives us, as a promise, is hope. Hope means I can make it through today. No matter what storm I face, no matter what challenge comes against me, no matter where I'm at, mentally, emotionally, physically, or spiritually, I have hope that I am who Christ says I am. And I can be who he says I can be. And I can do what he tells me I can do. And he walks through me through the dark time, with me through the dark times. He doesn't create the storms that are in our life. Those are usually caused by the brokenness of the people around us. But he also doesn't expect us to go through them alone. And the beauty of hope is this. It doesn't matter what I face today, what challenges. He's there in my presence. And the hard part is, what happens, though, when we experience death and when we experience loss and we experience pain? It's no less hope because tomorrow morning the sun's going to rise and I'm going to get up and I still have hope that God is present with me. And it's the moment at which I feel like there's no longer any hope. That's the emptiness. I say all the time, the worst thing about hell isn't the flames or isn't the torment. The worst thing about hell is the separation from God. The, the, the worst thing in our life is not that we're going to face difficult situations. Relationships are difficult. You don't even have to raise your hand, but how many of you know other people can be really difficult? Anybody? Okay. Just think in your mind. Spouses can be difficult. Children can be a challenge. Bosses can be difficult. Politicians can be tough. People can be a challenge. But that doesn't determine whether or not I have hope for today because God is there in the darkest moments and the times when my life seems empty. And finally, the fourth thing that a promise does is it gives us a future. See, it gives us a future in the sense that we were created to exist from the moment we were born. We exist from that point forward. Time is not cyclical. Time is linear. And God was before time and God will be after time ends. But you were created with a soul. And our future lies in and rests in who we are in Christ. And I thought about actually starting with future because I've said before, this this precious life we have, the one precious life we have, is inconsequential if we don't understand and recognize who God is. But when we do, then our future is filled with promise. Our future is filled with promise. The promise of all he's given us that's yet to come. And though our mortal lives are just but a blip on a radar, our future goes on. Just 75 years ago, I I just looked at this uh, about a week ago, two weeks ago, but 75 years ago, the average lifespan in the United States for men was 13 years shorter and for women was 17 years shorter. 
So when your grandparents were born, or maybe when you were born, your life expectancy has already increased by between 10 and 20% of what it once was. Which is great. I'm glad you're here and I'm glad you're healthy. But the truth is, we're here for but a short time. The history of humanity is thousands of years old. We have this one little time frame. And yet, within that time frame, we're born, and we go to school, and you meet people, and you engage, and you experience that. I told you a couple weeks ago, all life really is, is our memories, because we can't predict the future. So all we have is the memories that we have. And that's why it's painful when we lose people. It's painful when we lose relationships. It's painful when people die. It's painful when we have broken relationships with a spouse or a sibling or a neighbor or a friend because those things matter. Because our memories are what define our life. And yet our future is what we have to hold to because of the promise that was made thousands of years ago that I will send you a Savior. Emmanuel literally means God with us. God physically walking with us. In those dark times in our life, I think a lot of us just want Emmanuel to be there. We want that God that's going to be there with us. We want to know that we're not alone. And that's what his promise says, is that you are not alone. You may go through lonely times and difficult seasons. You may go through isolation or depression or addiction. You may go through those things. Those are real things, but you are not alone. And as he looks at us, he calls out to us, and he calls out over and over and over, I am with you, I am with you, I am with you, I am with you. And the promise he gave is that I am with you. I am with you in the brokenness. I am with you in the pain. I am with you in the difficult times. I am with you. I am with you. I am with you. He has not abandoned us. And it doesn't mean we'll never face difficulty. I promise you, you will. But it does mean this. In the midst of that, his promise is no less true. You belong. You have a purpose. You have a hope for today. And you have, you have a future that he is there for. And when we think it's all about right now, in this moment, then I'm missing so much more of what he wants to do in me and through me. And it becomes easy to be distracted by the busyness of our lives. I spent the past week doing nothing. Walking and sitting. Walking and sitting. I did between 7 and 12 miles a day. I think I did 13 miles one day. And I would walk and I would sit. And I would stare into the abyss of the woods in weather that was colder than most of you could handle. And in that moment, in that emptiness, in that silence, I would hear God speak to me. And he kept reminding me over and over and again, 
There's a purpose and there's a reason. And I was asking God questions. Because I've had a lot of loss in my life lately. And I felt like, what am I doing here, God? Not woe is me, oh, woe is me. More like, what, what is my purpose here? What is my reason to be here? And he just kept telling me, you're where I've called you to be. There's a purpose and a reason. And I'm still there in your presence. At one point, I remember just thinking, God, what, what do you have for us? Like us as a church and us as a congregation. Because I had my little directory with me and I was just, you know, I had it shoved down in my pocket and it was, got all wet and it was all wrinkled and I was trying to look at it. It's now sitting somewhere in the middle of the woods. I normally don't litter, but it just kind of fell apart. I was like, well, it's made out of paper. All these trees are paper. We're even. I'm giving back. But I was looking and I was praying through names and I was just looking, to be honest, I was looking at names that aren't even with us anymore for different reasons. God, am I making any difference? I just kept having that same thing. I just kept coming back to, your future's not about you. It's about me. And the promise is no less true than when I spoke it thousands of years ago. No less true once you're gone from this earth, Jeff. The promise still holds true. Because I'm not immortal. I will eventually be gone. Just a hundred short years from now. (laughs) Maybe a hundred and two. I will be gone. And the reality is, his promise is no less true. What a beautiful thing that we can walk in. What a beautiful thing that we can hold to, that the promise that he made is the same promise then as it is today. I am with you. I am the Lord your God. I am Emmanuel. God with us. Father God, I thank you for the promise that you made for us and to us. I thank you, God, that you looked and you had a plan and you knew all along what we would face. You understood our humanity and our brokenness. You see us at our weakest. You see us when we're depressed and when we're lonely, when we're in the middle of our addiction, when we're in the middle of everything else, and you look down, and you see us, and it was in those moments that you still said, I am Emmanuel. I am with you. God, may we walk in the beauty and the glory of that. May we walk in the hope and freedom of that. In your name, amen. So here's my question that I want you to ask yourself as Scott comes forward and we're going to get ready for communion. What is it in my mind that causes me to doubt the reality of this promise for me? Because most of this stuff I go, well, yeah, that's true. That's who God is. But it doesn't apply to me. God doesn't really care. They have a purpose for me. God doesn't have a plan for my life. So what is it that causes me to doubt that that word right there, Emmanuel, is for me. 
Only you can answer that. But when you begin to answer it, you can begin to heal from those wounds that have told you that lie. Because that's a lie, but it's how we oftentimes will live our life. And then the second question I have for you today. If this is true, and Emmanuel is for me, and that promise is for me, and if this is true, how am I going to live my life different? What does that say to me? What is God calling me to do if that word's true, that he's with me and has a plan and a purpose for this person or for you individually? If that's true, what is he calling me to do differently? Because that's a question, both of those are questions that only you can answer. But when we begin to answer that, we'll begin to believe that that promise is for you, that you belong, that you have purpose, that you have a hope, and that you have a future. That that promise was made before you ever existed, and that promise goes on after you're long gone. But it doesn't change the life I live here today. That's a beautiful thing, my friends. That's freedom. That's freedom from the lies you've been told. It's freedom from the lies you've believed about yourself, that you're not good enough, that you're not worthy, that you're not acceptable. See, that's freedom from all of that, that you'll always be an addict. You'll always be a prisoner. You'll always be whatever it is. You'll always be this. That's not true. Those labels lie. But you've got to come to that place where you go, yeah, Emmanuel, it means God with me. And that was the promise I was given. And if God wants to be with me and spend time with me, I can't be as bad as I must think I am. And I'm free from that. So ask yourselves those two questions because I desire for you to find that freedom and to find that purpose. Because once you find that purpose, the world around you will never be the same because people of purpose are driven to let others know that there's hope for them. We're going to do communion today. A gathering place, we have an open table, which means this. Everybody's invited to celebrate communion with us. James and Amy are going to come forward. If you need to uh, remain where you're at, be seated, whether it's for physical reasons, emotional, spiritual, maybe you're hurting and just can't get up, just raise your hand. Amy's going to come and serve you. I'm sorry I don't have gluten-free today. Normally I do, but I don't today. If you need that, I would be glad to come to your house this week and serve you. Just let me know. Send me an email or call me, and I'll come to your house this week so that I can serve you communion. Um, But I invite you, anybody and everybody's invited, because this says, this is my body, which was broken for you, and this is my blood, which was shed for the redemption of your sins. How can any of us deny somebody else that? So as often as we do it, when we do this, this isn't our salvation. This is just saying, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. And if you recognize that you are a sinner and broken, you are welcome to come and participate with us. And if you don't know what that means, I'm glad to sit down and have a conversation over over a beverage or over breakfast. And we can just talk about what that means. Because there's hope and freedom in realizing what that means. They're going to dismiss you from the back to the front. Just break off a piece and dip it in the cup. Again, if you need to be served at your seat for any reason, there's no judgment. It's just freedom. Just raise your hand. Amy's going to do that. After she's done, we'll have three lines. So go ahead and begin to come forward. A great time to remember that the promise 
It wasn't just that he was going to come here. The promise was the freedom that him coming here represented. Usually on this first Sunday, it sounds more like an Easter message or a Good Friday message than it does anything else because without the death and resurrection, although we would have appreciated him coming, it wouldn't have changed anything. It was his death and his resurrection. That's what changed things. So the promise ultimately is this. He walked through his humanity with you so that you could know that freedom that only he can bring. And that's what we have. Because of Emmanuel and God with us, it was that sacrifice. That's what made the difference. Let's walk in that. Let's celebrate that. Let's live in that. Let's let the world around us know that. Invite someone this month. People are far more open to coming during the month of December than any other time of the year to church to church that aren't currently church attenders. Because they know there's something. They don't know it. They may not know the story, but they know there's something. Maybe they did it when they were a kid. Maybe they've seen it and experienced it, but want to know more. Bring and invite and include. Let's be a people who say that we have a place for you to belong and we can help you find purpose. Not because of how great we are, but because of who God is. And that's a beautiful thing. Father God, I thank you for gathering place and I thank you for what you do in us and through us. Be with us as we walk out the doors this week. Let us know you and reflect you. Let us see you and believe you. Let us represent you well to the lost and the dying that need that promise that you're with us. In your name, amen. If you'd like prayer, there's members from the prayer team over here on this side. I invite any of you and all of you, come be prayed for. Experience what God wants to do in you, all right? You don't have to, but why not take full advantage of what we're offering? It's free. You don't have to even pay for it. It's like a bonus. If you just show up, you can get prayed for. Thanks. We'll see you guys next week.